This podcast is produced by Audiofy. What would you rather have? One million dollars or one person saved? When someone puts down Christianity, do you speak up or do you stay silent? What if your friend is down on life? Do you mention God or just tell them they'll be okay? Is it that hard to talk about God? We say we are Christian but never put it into action. We all talk about how things should be done but never act upon it. We are scared to be evangelists for the Lord. Today is the day to change. Put your pride aside, put your ego away, and spread the word of God for those who desperately need it. This world needs change, and one small step will make a difference. It's very easy to talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Welcome to Can I Get an Amen with Bishop Herson Gonzalez, the pastor of Vida Church in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at canigetanamen at gmail.com. You weren't born saved. You weren't born believing in Jesus. The truth is, somebody told you about Jesus. And it's now our turn to tell somebody else about Jesus. Yeah, we can tell our stories, but at the end of the day, our job is to tell others what somebody told us. Tell them about Jesus. This is Herson Gonzalez, and you're listening to Can I Get an Amen? Turn up the speakers. This is Andre Crouch, and this song is called Somebody Told Me About Jesus. I had a broken heart. It was that way from the very start. Somebody told me about you, that you knew just what to do. My brother, you was serious. I knew in you I could put my trust. I'm glad they told me about you, cause you knew just what to do.
thank God that somebody told us about Jesus. Now we feel that burning desire, the responsibility to tell somebody else about him, not just to talk to talk, but we need to walk to walk. Friends, I don't usually play entire songs on here, but this song fits so well into the message of our podcast that we're going to go back to them and let's listen to them to jam out. What an awesome song, what an awesome message. And this is the burden I feel for the church in America. Uh, These days it feels like we love going to church and we don't mind testifying, but so few of us are telling the power of the gospel of God through Jesus. Join me now at the altar of Vida Church for this powerful message. We'll see you on the other side. Today we're going to work on walking the walk. Amen, somebody? We're going to go to John chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. When you got it, say, Ja. Alleluia. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, that I was blind, now... I see. Now this statement, and even some of you that read that, said amen. This statement sounds good. This is the Pharisees, and, the, and it seems positive until we find out that, that, that in the rest of that statement, the Pharisees, it's revealed, they're concluded that Jesus, the one that healed this blind man, they, they've concluded that Jesus is a sinner. And so he couldn't have performed the miracle of giving him sight. And, and so the Pharisees said, give God the glory because Jesus is a sinner. He couldn't have healed you. So sometimes what sounds good isn't right. It sounds good for somebody to say, give God glory for your miracle. That sounds good until you realize that what they were really up to was they were trying to show that guy that Jesus was no good, that Jesus didn't perform that miracle for him. Don't give Jesus glory, give God glory. So the man was straightforward. And his reply was this. Now, I don't know if this man is a sinner. I don't know who he is. He says, all I know is that before I touched him or he touched me, I was blind. After I had an encounter with him, I could see you. I can't say if he's God or not, but I can say this. I was blind, now I see. With with these simple words, this man bore a witness to who Jesus is. 
He testified about the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. However, he was not able to preach the gospel. What am I getting at? In the Christian community, we sometimes employ language that is not always sound or not always biblical. Let me give you an example. Some people say to me, oh, I want to become an evangelist so I can go out and win souls. Sounds good. Wrong premise. Unbiblical. Give me, let me give you another one. I had a chance to witness to someone the other day. Sounds good. Wrong premise. <laughs> For the person that says, I need to be an evangelist so that I can win souls, uh, you don't need to be an evangelist to win souls. It's the wrong premise. Oh, I had a chance to, win, to witness to somebody. You have a chance every day. That day you took it. Okay? So I want you to understand something. Uh, uh, when we share our testimony, we're not necessarily preaching the gospel. We tend to use the word evangelism and testimony or witnessing interchangeably. They're not. They're not synonymous. Anytime I call attention to the person of Jesus Christ and his work in my life, I'm giving my testimony. That's important to understand. And everybody should know what their personal testimony is. But let's not make the mistake of, of saying that my testimony is preaching the gospel. It's two different things. And many of us have been taught that all you have to do is tell people what Jesus did for you. That's the pre-evangelism. The power is not what God did for you. The power is in what Jesus did for all of us. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Your testimony is your story of how you became a Christian. And I think it's important for every believer to write it down, memorize it, to know how to tell your testimony. Your testimony is vital in bringing people to God. Amen. It's important on, on, on how and why you became a believer. And your testimony has power. But your testimony is not the gospel. I want us to, to really understand this here. The value of any testimony is determined by the character of the person who's giving it. In a courtroom, somebody will get up and say, I'm an eyewitness. This is my sworn testimony. And they'll say, I saw that man raping that girl, right? And, 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 and the, that's your testimony, your sworn statement. That's your testimony. Now, the other attorney is going to come up, and guess what he's going to do? He's going to challenge the, the credibility of the witness, not the story. Can we trust you? Are you trustworthy? Is your testimony worth listening to? Can I believe your story based on your character? Amen, somebody. I want us to get this. We're out there and we should be telling our story, our testimony. But the moment we start to tell our testimony and tell our story, our credibility is instantly looked at. When you come to somebody and say, I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus and he's done wondrous works for me and I think you should come to my church. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to listen to you. They're going to look into your eyes and the moment you walk away, they're going to ask somebody that knows you, tell me about that person. Is their testimony credible? What are they asking? What are they asking? 
Is he walking the walk? Does he, does he live what he preaches? If an, if an uneducated person were to come up to you and, and, and say in front of a large group of people, you're so smart, you feel nice. But, but it's an uneducated person. They would probably say the same thing about, you know, a trained dog. Wow, that dog is so smart, right? But if you get a professor or a doctor or someone who's esteemed and has great education, and they say, wow, you're, you're brilliant, that means something more because of the credibility of the person who's saying it. Amen, somebody? <laughs> if, if a coward comes up to you and says, you're so brave, a coward would, would, would be, I mean, in some, some, in some situations, there's some people that are so brave, but they're like afraid of mice. Right? Big old strong, ah, mice! And, you know, and, then, and then a little kid will come and grab the mouse and take it out. And, and, and this big old person, well, you're so brave. I mean, a, to be called brave by a coward isn't a, isn't a compliment. But to be called brave by a war veteran, someone who's seen battle and now that's that now there's you can wear that on your on your you can wear that proudly and say, man, that, that means something. That's powerful. Someone who is brave called me brave. Because we, we always go to the credibility of the person speaking. The, your credibility matters. And when we're talking about testimony and telling our stories, don't be so naive. When you talk about Jesus or when you paste about, post on Facebook about how good God is, they're going to see your other posts. They're going to see what else you say because your credibility gives power to your witness. My point is, we can all talk about how great God is. But when a believer hears us talk about God, they will inevitably take a good look at our lives and judge the power of the content of our testimony, our story, based on how we live. Sharing your story is, is what I call pre-evangelism. It's a sort of warm-up. It brings people in. Our testimonies may or may not be a significant uh, meaning for the people that you're speaking to, but there are a lot of folks who can relate to, to my story. Some people hear my story and go, yeah, that was me. And it brings people in. But some people can't relate to my testimony, my story. The power is not in my testimony. The power is in my living. You're never going to see an 800-pound person talking about, I'm going to give you six tips to be fit. But that's, but that's what you see on, on social media. It's, God is so good. He gave me this and he gave me that. We talked about it last week. Don't confuse, don't confuse stuff for blessings. The blessings of God is not contained in stuff. The blessings of God is that I was lost and he found me. Now I'm saved and I'm washed by the blood of the Lamb. The blessing of God is that I'm saved. That's the blessing of God. The blessing of God is not, ooh, I got a new car. Hashtag blessed. We live in a hashtag blessed society. But boy, I wish we could say hashtag saved. That matters. There's power in that. Hashtag live right. <laughs> I don't got the new car. My car's broken down, but I got joy like a river, joy like a river, joy like a river in my soul. I got a joy, joy, joy like a river, joy like a river in my soul. That's blessed. I don't
don't have the new car. I don't have a fancy house, but I got a joy. The world didn't give me this joy and the world can't take it away. Blessed. Blessed. In any case, the gospel is not what happened to me. The gospel is not what happened to you. It's not, it, no matter how intriguing and how powerful your story is, that's not the gospel. God makes no promises that he's going to use your story to bring people to salvation. The gospel is not about what happened to me. The gospel is about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. Your friends that are lost, they, 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 don't, they already know your story. They see how they want to know about Jesus. That's the power. That's the power. It's, it's the proclamation of the person and the work of Jesus Christ and how a person can appropriate the benefits of the work, of the, the complete work of, 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 of salvation that comes through Christ and faith alone. We see this form in, in, in our passage of, of John's gospel. The man that was healed, he says his story. He doesn't talk about the gospel. He doesn't say Jesus is the Savior. He doesn't call Jesus God. He doesn't say he changed my life. All he does is tell the story. I was blind, now I can see. That's all he could tell. He didn't know anymore about Jesus. All he could tell is the story. And some people, all you got is a little story. I went to church and, oh, I got goosebumps. Oh, it was amazing. That's a story. But, but it was not the gospel. The man couldn't tell the Pharisees that Jesus saved him he, he couldn't he couldn't talk about the other stuff that jesus was able to do to, to heal them and forgive his sins so so we need to not only learn our testimonies but but we need to concentrate on the elements of what it means to tell the biblical gospel story and 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 you know enough to love god but you don't know how to please him you know enough to go to church, but you still live any way you want. You're, you're, still, you're still dabbling in, in, in sin and in a lifestyle. That, and your story and your credibility has been compromised. Some of you that have been with me for years have, have, have adopted lifestyles that are ungodly. And you still call yourself believers. It's time for us to go back to what the word of God says. Let me remind you that the real power is not in how he makes you feel. It's how he makes you live. Salvation is not a feeling. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith causes me to walk a certain way. I can't just do whatever I want and, 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 and be saved. So can, can, I, can I give you five tips today on how to walk the walk? Can we do that today? Anybody want to walk this walk? Come on, let's, let's stop pretending. Let's, let's stop going through the motions. Let's do this right. Vida Church exists to help people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Amen? But if you don't ever experience the power of the gospel, all those four things, none of those things matter. None of those things matter. Amen. You need the power that comes in Jesus. You need the power that comes from the cross. You need the power of the sinless life of Jesus. You need that power to infuse, to be infused in your daily walk. Amen. So I want to give you five tips how we can walk the walk. Amen. After today, you're going to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk. Amen. Number one, I want us to walk in newness of life. Huh. Amen. It's like 
having old raggedy clothes and having and wearing the same old raggedy clothes for years and all of a sudden you get a, a, a letter in the mail we're going to give you a two thousand uh, dollars free shopping spree and you can buy all the new clothes and you go and you buy all the new clothes and you put it in the closet and then the next time somebody sees you you're still wearing the old beat up clothes why? Because it's comfortable. That new clothes makes me feel funny. New clothes makes you walk funny. You ever walk different in new clothes? Yeah, new clothes makes you walk with your shoulders back a little bit. New clothes kind of makes you look and feel fine. Right? There's something about new clothes, new shoes especially, make you walk right. Boy, you put on a jacket, your shoulders get straight, you start to walk right. Right? Listen, there's some of us that have a closet full of new clothes, but you're still wearing depression. You're still wearing sadness. You're still wearing all that junk. God says, I've got new garment. Put on the garment of joy. Amen. Amen. I, I want us to walk in new life. Amen. Romans chapter 6 verse, verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we are, we also should walk in newness of life. Amen. I want you to put away that old living. I want you to put away that old talking. I want you to put away that old vision of yours and put on new life. The believer has, has been liberated from the ways that in which they used to walk you've been liberated from from walking in bondage you've been liberated of living as a slave to sin you've been liberated from that why would you willingly go back to a lifestyle of sin when God liberated you from that life he gave you freedom through his son Jesus Christ I want you to know this I want you to enjoy a different kind of walk somebody say different come on somebody say new it's new life. Man. Number two. I want us to walk in the power of the spirit. When we bought this church, one of the first things we did is we changed the fuel source for the building. We used to do oil and oil was ridiculously expensive. And so we switched to gas, which later became ridiculously expensive. But that's neither here nor there. My point is, my point is we changed the source of power. Amen. And when you come to know Jesus Christ, you change the source of your power. You stop living in the flesh. You stop living based on your experiences. You stop living based on your training and your education. All of that, all of that informs how I live, but it doesn't power how I live. What powers how I live is the spirit of God. That's what power, that's what empowers me. I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 2 verse 25. If we live in the spirit, let us also... Walk in the spirit. The only way for a believer to talk like a believer is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The only way for that same believer that talks that way to walk that way is to be fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by my strength and it's not by my might. It's not behavior modification. It's, it's transformation from the inside out. Amen. I can change my behavior for any amount of time, amen, but I'm always going to revert to who I used to be. But when I let God change my source, my fuel, my, my God, it, it, it changes the way I live. We are not self-propelled beings in self-propelled motion. We are 
grace supplied. We, 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 are, we are infused with the power of grace and mercy and power. Amen. So I want you, I want you today to, to I, boy, wouldn't it be something if you walked out of here under the power of the Holy Spirit of God? My Lord, we'd be able to walk the walk if we did that. And then number three, I want us to walk around like what we are, children of light. Children of light. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. Amen, somebody. Amen. When they used to see you coming, they'd say, here comes trouble. When they used to see you coming, they, they said, ooh, mm, stay away. You know, hide your kids, hide your wife. I mean, you get nervous. Right? Because you represented a certain thing when you walked into the room. Man, but, but, when, but when, you, when you come out of darkness and, and, and you begin to live the, the light of Jesus, boy... I mean, we come stumbling out of the darkness, and I understand that it takes a little bit of time to adjust to light living. I understand that sometimes there's going to be a little bit of confusion. I understand that sometimes you may revert back to your old style of living. I, re I, I, I get that sometimes there might be shadows in the light that you cast because you're changing. I get that. But eventually, when you become a child of the light, boy, there is no shadow in, in, in the light that you cast. It's Jesus and only Jesus that's that, that pro projected from your eyes from your mouth and from your actions so we may stumble when we walk in darkness but let me tell you once we walk into this wonderful light oh Jesus somebody in this place is, is, is turning the light on somebody in this place is letting the light go on today it's, it's no longer darkness it's no longer negativity it's no longer fighting and it's no longer bickering it's going to be light it's going to be love it's going to be mercy it's going to be grace that we start to shed out amen somebody imagine a flashlight without batteries if you don't got Jesus you're a flashlight without batteries amen somebody can hit the switch but there ain't no light going to come out because without batteries, there ain't no light going to come out. You can have every other element in that, in that flashlight. You can have the electronics right. You can have the light bulb right. You can have the switch right. But without those batteries, there ain't going to be light coming out of that thing. Listen, listen. Your life has been being, you were created to be the light of the world. All you need is a battery called Jesus. Amen. 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 The worst thing in the world. The worst thing in the world is when the power goes out and you go look for that flashlight that you walk by a thousand times. Oh, there's a flashlight, but I don't need it. There it is. But the light, the moment the lights go out and you go and reach for that, what's the worst thing that can happen? You flip, hit the switch, batteries are dead. They might not need you now. But one day, they're going to reach for you. And say, my mom died. I need the flashlight. I have no hope. I lost my job. I'm about to lose my, 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 my home. I need a, a flashlight. When they reach out for you, they know you're the flashlight. You've been telling them you go to church for 10 years. But now that they need you, and when they pull for you, is there batteries in the light? Our job is to make sure that whenever somebody reaches for us, there's light in the flashlight. Uh, I'm going to help you uh, illuminate your way out of the darkness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you out of this pain. I'm going to help navigate you out of your sorrow. Navigate out of that trial. Amen. That's the blessing of being the light of the world. Amen. And before I want you to, to walk properly, 
toward outsiders. Am I preaching deep? I hear you make a noise over there. I'm preaching. Y'all don't hear him. He's like, mm, oh, yeah. It's like, it's like he's getting, eating a good meal. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Sounds like Cookie Monster. Oh, they're delicious. Oh, that's delicious. Oh, yeah. She is for cookie, yeah. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 12. That you may what? Properly toward those who are outside. And that you may lack nothing. Woo! Woo! Now there's a promise that's attached to my walking right. <laughs> because if I walk right toward those people that are outside, God is always going to make sure that I have what I need. Because I'm wearing Jesus. I represent Jesus. People are looking at me. And, and now they realize I'm the flashlight with the light. Amen. So God is going to make sure that you have what you need in order to shine. The world is watching our walk. The world is watching your walk more than ever. They're watching your Facebook. They're watching your Instagram. They're watching all the stuff that you do. But don't forget, they're watching you through the windows of your house. They're watching you when you talk to your children in public. They're watching you when you're at school. They watch you when you punch in and, and how often you punch in late. They're watching you. They're watching not just social media. They're watching you how you live your life. They can identify you if you're reflecting the love of God and you have compassion, the compassion of Christ. They quickly see when your walk is improper. Boy, they know it. And some of us get mad like, you know, this dude got three girlfriends and a wife and he's going to complain that I, that I had a, ling a, a lingering moment with the secretary. Yes, because you're the Christian. I didn't sleep with her. All I did was look at her. But you're the light. They may walk improperly before God. They don't have to give an account to God. They don't care. They're godless. But we, and this is the funny thing, they expect us to live right. And when we don't, they use us as reasons why they don't go to church. They use us as reasons why they don't believe in God. Some of us have heard them say it. Man, if going to church means I have to live like that guy, I ain't ever going to church. I'm better off the way that I am. We need to walk right in front of the world. But it's not an act. We've got to rock right, walk right, period. Amen. Amen. And lastly, number five, we need to walk worthy of the Lord. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. That you may walk worthy of of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't he, well, doesn't he just love me as I am? Aren't I just good enough the way that I am? No, no, listen. You don't have to do anything more to be saved but accept him. You can be saved by accepting him through faith. But then there's something about walking and living that, 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 that comes extra. That's the evidence. That's the power of your testimony. And once you're saved, you're expected to walk worthy of the Lord. Listen to what it says. Fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to who? His glorious power. For all patience 
and long suffering and joy. Our walk should be worthy of him. It should signal that we are his, that we love him, that he loves us. Listen, I try to live a life that's worthy of my wife's love. I try to live a life that's worthy of my children's love and affection. I've seen too many children in the years that I've been pastoring that look at their parents and they're disgusted, they're disappointed. They're so brokenhearted that their parents were not able to demonstrate any kind of positive example. And by the time they get to me, their trust is absolutely broken in their parents. And consequently, they have a hard time trusting God. Because the parents lived how they wanted to live. And they didn't live how God wanted them to live. And, and, and so they ruined this idea of, of being worthy. So, so even though the Bible says that your children should honor you, you can't just count that they will. you got to live a, a life that would be worthy of their love. When my kids look at me, I don't want them to love me for the jokes that I tell. I want them to love me for the kind of man that I am. I want my children to, to love me. I want them to be proud. I want to be worthy of their love. Not just because I provided a place for them to sleep for 20 years. Not just, a place, not, not just because I gave them something to eat for all those years. But because of the man that I am. The way I love their mom. The way I love the God with my wife, man, in the beginning of our marriage, I didn't live worthy of her love. I didn't. I chased women. I, I, I wanted more. I was, I was living a life for myself. And it's amazing how she held on. I give God thanks all the time whenever I think about it, about how she was able to love me through that time when I wasn't worthy of her love. I wasn't living up to the promise that I made in front of all of our family and friends in an altar when we got married. I didn't do it. I was broken. But God, but God was able to take me and mold me and make me. And he showed me that I needed to live a life that was worthy of the love of a good woman. You got to live a life worthy of the love of God. Now, listen, that sounds weird. Some people are going to say, well, that doesn't fit right in my theology. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You need to live a life worthy of the love of and here we are, calling ourselves Christians, coming to church on a regular basis, most of us, but we're not living a life worthy of the Lord. I believe that God is calling us to walk the walk. A closing story. Uh, Margaret Sangster, um, she, had a, she ran a goodwill center, and uh, it was in an un underprivileged big city. One day, speaking to a large audience, she told of this experience. There came into a, a big playroom one day, a crowd of boys, among them walking on homemade crutches and a homemade cane, came a little boy who limped in. One foot turned completely backwards. His whole body was twisted and he couldn't play with the other kids. So he backed against the wall and he followed them so hungrily with his eyes as my heart broke for this little boy. I called him into my office and I asked him what happened and he answered, a truck ran over me. I was never able to really go to the hospital and get fixed. I cleaned him up and I took him, I took him to a doctor friend and I asked the doctor to help me. The doctor explained very carefully that 
he had a broken, he had a broken um, several breaks in his leg that never healed properly. He had uh, two breaks in his arm. He had two fractures in his back. The boy was twisted. The boy was twisted. But the doctor, the doctor said, but we can fix him. And the doctor said, we're willing to do this for free. But you're going to have to find someone to pay for the, for the hospital expenses. And so she says, okay, thank you. She leaves and she calls a bank owner that, he knew, that she knew. And so, so uh, she calls the bank owner and, and he says, she says, I need a meeting with you. He says, okay, I'm sitting here with another bank owner. Come, we'll, we'll see you now. So it was only a few minute walk. So she walks with the little boy to the bank owner's office and there's two bank owners sitting there. And she says, this little boy needs an operation. The doctor says he'll do it for free. I need you to pay his medical bills. And the two doctors, um, the two bank owners looked at each other, nodded, and they said, go ahead. We'll take care of it. Months passed. He had operation after operation. Years passed. Two years of operations. And, and she was there. And she helped him learn how to walk again. She helped him. She nursed him back until one day she, he walked into the center. And he was jumping and dancing. He said, how do I look? How do I look? And she said, you look amazing. It was amazing. And while she was giving this speech, she took a pause. And she asked the audience, what do you think that boy is right now? And someone in the audience says, he's a banker. She said, no. He said, must be the governor of a state somewhere. No. He's a senator, a lawyer. No. She said, he's a convict. He's in a penitentiary for perpetrating such a heinous crime that he would have gotten the penalty were it not for his age. Then she paused and says, did you see what my mistake was? Does anybody see what her mistake was? She said, I spent so much time teaching the boy how to walk that I forgot to tell him where to go. Thank you so much for listening. Please share, subscribe, like us. Uh, let other people know and listen to our other podcast called My Music where I share 30 years worth of a music catalog with the Gonzalez Brothers, my solo album, other projects that I've worked on. Uh, so please uh, do that for me. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Can I Get an Amen with Bishop Herson Gonzalez. If you enjoyed our program, please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. Until next time.